0: Hello, so, that's your weekly optimism vaccine I, I am not steve cuff he is as i've been told in indianapolis playing board games with his old friend the quartering and the, having a few drinks to celebrate the demise of anita sarkeesian's uh Project, um. So, unfortunately, Steve is not not with us today, uh, but we do have Jack as per usual. Jack, how are you doing?
1: I, you know, it's 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 always a pleasure to be here for Swords and Sandal Month, the month that occurred. I don't know why was this was this on the bill. You you were like, oh, this is a long time coming. And that's, I don't remember ever mentioning this previously, but here we are, week two of five
0: episodes. Five, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I it has been discussed. I think somewhere along the lines of when we we covered like Beastmaster that we had had discussed potentially expanding because we enjoyed what we were doing. Yeah, it's not there, the so.
1: worst topic to go deep on. Um, definitely hitting some new bases. So hey, eh, why not?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a little bit uh, woeful on what we're covering this week, which is uh, really the peblum stuff. Which uh, yeah, it's it's not really an era of. Italian film, at least a, a genre slash era mixture of any 60s Italian film that I'm familiar with is, uh, yeah, generally art films or, or some horror, mostly Bava, which well, we'll get into that shortly, but not The pebblem. It's all new to me. So it's been uh, an interesting uh, dip in, we'll say. Uh, also joining us, we have Jake. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Adam. How are you? Did you survive your your fair journey there? Yeah.
2: uh, Casey, Dalton, and I went to the Orange County Fair yesterday. Uh, It was a nice 90 degrees out, and we ate a shit ton of food. Everything from deep-fried cookie dough to all sorts of bacon-wrapped goodness.
0: It's exciting. I can't recall... The last time I went to a fair, honestly, I mean, I I grew up in a city that didn't have like a state fair, but it had like a mm-hmm. fireworks festival. That's kind of one of the bigger in the country, so there was always that sort of accompaniment uh, alongside of it. But uh, it's been many years since I've attended that, and and many more since I went to a proper state fair or county fair.
2: Yeah, it was actually a lot of fun, and uh, the highlight was the petting zoo. Dalton just had a blast running around saying hi to every single animal in the pen. It was, it was pretty amazing.
0: I can imagine. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I should give it a shot one of these days, because when, when we were kids, it, it wasn't... The food culture was substantially different from what it is now. It was basically just fucking funnel cake, and that's it.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. There are, it is lousy with options nowadays.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like uh, it's a good way to kill yourself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Undoubtedly so.
1: Well, I think highlight of highlight of my fair experience, I feel, was, was in Kentucky State Fair one time where they did deep-fried sticks of butter, which I didn't think would work, but was pretty good, if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah, I, I've heard of this. It's up there where they there was a brief window there, I'd say maybe a decade ago uh, onward, where it was like every year was some new, fair Frankenstein creation. I, I The butter stuck out, as did the, like, Kool-Aid as to what the fuck is this? Yeah, deep-fried Kool-Aid, I think be? I had
1: two, and that was kind of like, it, yeah, I think it was just like deep-fried granules, so it's like sort of like a weird tang in the center of the, the, the dough. But the, the deep-fried butter, you see, because I, I for some reason I thought, oh, well, you know, it's like, what, you're just eating butter on a stick? But no, obviously the butter melts completely into the, the breading, and it's just, it's basically just like a a heart stopping corn dog kind of concoction, effectively, but without meat in the center. But yeah, you know, state fair that's what it's for,
0: right? Yeah, you, you see that on the menu, you buy it. Yep, uh, well, it doesn't matter if it's good or not, and uh, the experience has been had. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, I gotta give myself to one of these things. Um, but we, we're not talking about state fucking fairs today, we're talking about uh, the man himself. Hercules uh, as we move on to uh, from Conan to uh, perhaps some things that uh, inspired the, the film creation uh, that is Conan the Barbarian. Uh, and certainly, as we look at these first two, uh, a, a man who inspired the star of Conan the Barbarian and, and the destroyer, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, with Reg Park as sort of the proto uh, italian hercules here and we are beginning with mario bava's hercules in the haunted world which uh, boy this is a weird one it's uh it it kind of reminds me it parallels our discussion of red Sonia quite a bit in that uh if you look at what this movie is uh plot wise or or what they're getting from the performers uh kind of (laughs) bad but but Uh, Mario Bava is directing, so it's just a jaw-dropping piece of of cinema. Uh, Yeah, go ahead, Jim. A
1: a film you just, like, I was watching it, and I ended up, for convenience, I ended up watching a a file on my computer for a portion of it before I was able to move out to the TV, and I swear I was just, like, screenshotting every new scene as it started. It's just an absolutely astounding-looking film, which, you know, Mario Bava, not a great surprise there, but I guess what I take away from this movie uh, we'll discuss in relation to the next two. is like Bava pretty much just magic this up out of nothing. Like it's not, it doesn't look like a very expensive film by any stretch. It's really like a bunch no. of like plaster or rocks or whatever, like a couple of like sound stages, this and that. But like it's just a staggeringly beautiful looking film. It's and every composition is just stunning, it, it, you know. And it's in full scope, you know, widescreen. It's it's just this really imposing epic film that i feel like was cobbled together for like 50 bucks uh, and like only mario bava could do just this incredible kind of experience so you're right i think the the storyline where we were remarking before we started the story for the, somehow it's four script writers uh, including uh dicario Tassari or or what's his first name i, I don't recall Ducio Tassari, who would go on to become something of a semi-notable director i know he did the bloodstained butterfly and a few other jali down the line um but well, yeah, you know, uh, four people wrote this movie, which has the most threadbare plot imaginable. But it just looks stunning, and what more could you ask?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I, it, it's just this is uh, the same to me as Red Sonja in many ways, but also very different because, yeah, as you said. With Red Sonja, you're like, oh, this is expensive still, you know, you could see a lot of the money on the screen and it's just applied so differently to what you saw in, in the earlier Conan films in that it was kind of following this Italian tradition that films like this set up where it is very stage, but it's using a lot of technique, you know, a lot of compositing and, and this film, it's almost nothing. Yeah. It's so threadbare uh, and it's just all in. The composition and the lighting and it just makes it such a, a stark thing to look at.
2: Yeah, Bob is a he's a real king when it comes to atmosphere. Like this is as Jack said, every every scene is screenshotable. Just it's a gorgeous use of the widescreen frame. And yeah, the color design in this alone, it, you know, it completely outshines the other two films we'll discuss. But but yeah, it's you know, for a film that does not have really much going on, it's just it's just a Hercules a to z journey of him collecting items um which is not really inherently all that exciting but bava makes it exciting by just making it so visually goddamn good looking to to stare at and uh yeah i had a i had a great time with this one yeah i I love that the
1: plotting for this is is great because um essentially it comes down to to hercules has to wander into hades to retrieve a golden apple he has to go somewhere before hades to to retrieve a golden apple that will allow him to exit hades i'm i wasn't even as threadbare as the plot is i was still a little confused as to where he was going i should probably just brush up on my my greek legends but um <laughs> I, I just love that like at the early part of the movie they, they just go like the only way to the only way to get to hades is with a magic boat and so i first go okay first quest item get a magic boat that's going to be the first thing they do and then they're like goofy comic relief friend Uh, i don't know why they hang out with him considering that hercules right-hand man keeps stealing his wife uh you mean italian mr bean Yeah, italian mr bean fair and he just he just wanders in It's like oh yeah my friend is a magic boat we'll just ask him for it i was like oh okay they solved that one pretty quickly it's it's this is really odd film and and like the big the big story beats seem to just be covered instantly in like a quick cut or whatever and then the rest of it's really just sort of them hanging out and this threat of danger and the unknown as they they kind of ha- spend time in hades and everything in this movie one thing i suppose in terms of like how bava handles it there's a few things first thing we'd mentioned there's like the bava is just incredible in that he can kind of like take just a wall like i i feel like he just conjures it out of nothing he can just have his, his prop people build like one palace wall and a single column and like stick that in the shot and have like one man dressed as a soldier stand over the side and the way he frames it you can just your imagination can extrapolate out like a whole vast palace it's incredible and it's only like when you start looking at and examining you're kind of like like there's so There's so little here in terms of set design, really, like it's very, it's all very well done, but it's, you know, very theatrical, but like he, Bava's not depending on a huge amount of different variation in this and that. It's just the way that he understands how to put the same items and rearrange them within each different composition that just keeps it new and fresh and just keeps your eye constantly scanning. It's it's like just a masterclass for that. I mean, this is this is what Bava can do. Like, and I think in a way, this is not one of Bava's greatest films. I don't think, um, you know, it's a, it's a good film. It's a very good film. I think you know, Bava's not greatest movies. Many other directors would aspire to get to, but I think it's a really instructive film in in kind of just the sheer power of Bava as a filmmaker and um, what he can do. The other thing that I think is really interesting that is is less commented on because there's there's a lot of like uh, screenshots like it's. It's greens and purples and magentas, colors everywhere in the underworld. Everything magical and sinister is bathed in these lights to varying degrees. But there's also this wonderful sunshiny openness in these other scenes that kind of like really opens up this kind of like feeling of freedom or success to Hercules' quest. And I think it's really, it's quite striking that Bava manages to, to moderate them. So like, let's say really... A kind of an incredible film that's just magicked up really but pure technique it's like this is just bava's just absolutely a flick of the wrist a film appears and a beautiful film appears i think any other director if you gave them the exact same level of you know resources they would make something that might be you know kind of like serviceable but it would just look cheap and shoddy and you see it and you're just like man that they needed more money Bava, like I'm always reminded of the fact that like Bava's uh, most expensive project ever was *Danger Diabolique*, and he turned that film in like considerably under budget because he didn't do the stuff they asked him to do. He just used trick photography to do much cheaper versions of like they were prepared. I think to to spend out for like bigger sets and for more lavish set pieces. And Bava's like, no, I can just build a little thing out of like matchboxes, like a tiny miniature, and just shoot it. That it'll look great. And he's right, it does. That's, this is incredible. Like, who does this? Who comes in under budget on big budget movies? This is just Bava specialty. And I think this is, if you were an aspiring filmmaker, or if you're interested in just the kind of idea of, um, you know, kind of like a, the conception of a film, what, what it takes to, to capture the audience's attention, imagination, I think this film is an incredible thing to study. It's just really remarkable.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the more, like, striking and memorable images you'll see in any damn movie is just some woman sitting in, like, a meditation pose with, like, two fucking shit heap foam columns on each <laughs> side of her, and it's just, you know, like a reflecting pool and these gel lights, and it makes for this fucking amazing composition, yeah. and you're like... How could this even be? <laughs> it's, it's like, anyone
1: yeah. else could touch this and it would just look like hokey nonsense, but Bob yes. Bob <laughs> just somehow, it's like, holy, wow, this is amazing, this is serious stuff.
0: Yeah, it, it's excellent, and, uh, I mean, we got a young Christopher Lee in this yes. thing, he's not, he's just kind of playing that peblum role of, like, bad guy who <laughs> <laughs> rules the city-state, uh, and. I, I guess we should, at, at some point, talk Reg Park. I mean, we'll see him in the next film as well, but he, to me, this really reminds me of Conan the Barbarian in some sense. Obviously, uh, you're getting a dubbed version here, and I believe he's South African, so he would not be speaking like this. He's, he's is...
1: English, originally. I think he moved to South oh, Africa later, but yeah, so he's, he's okay. dubbed here. I think everyone is dubbed. I mean, it's Italian yeah, 60s well, production, Italian. so I think even Christopher <laughs> Lee in the English voice, I'm not sure that's him.
0: Right, but if Reg Park was capable of uh, this sort of line delivery, I'm pretty sure he'd be at about 400 films and not four. So, (laughs) uh, Yeah, because it's just like one of those things where you're like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, he's got such a screen presence, even though obviously he's he's not really an actor. He's a bodybuilder who is like a multiple-time Mr. Universe as mentioned, like really big inspiration for Schwarzenegger. And it's it's it reminds me a lot of that at least in this film, uh less so in in the second because I don't know it's that beard in this one I think, you're just like oh this guy is fucking Hercules. Yeah, I mean
1: no question. I mean the the beard he he's completely in there. You know I mean he he fits the role perfectly and obviously Bava shoots him like he's he dominates the frames he's in as he should. He towers over people. Yeah. You know it, it's. There's a full understanding, and which I think is interesting. yeah, as we get into the next film, which is also stars Reg Park, that he is nowhere near as imposing a screen presence in a film that's also about him being a very strong man. So, interesting how how it doesn't quite translate. And again, I think that that kind of like view that we have of how Bava just uh, he just he knows what he's doing. He really he, he knows exactly where to put everyone to make it all work.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite remarkable. I This movie should be... Uh, it should be bad, like, it is, on paper, quite bad. Uh, <laughs> it, it never comes together at all, the plot is, is just meandering, nothing, they go to Hades, their whole quest for the apple ends with... what, they they, <laughs> they get instructed at the last minute to just throw the apple <laughs> overboard? Yeah, the
1: apple's the original MacGuffin, oh. practically, or a Hitchcock MacGuffin, they have to go to get it, and then when they're leaving... It will allow them to leave, and they're like, "Actually, no. If we throw it overboard, that's better." And it's like, "Okay, so why? did We just needed the boat, which we had."
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's quite uh, goofy and bullshit, and I I, I couldn't tell you any uh, anything that is going on with uh, Christopher Lee's like plans. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Somehow he's he's made Hercules uh, uh, betrothed like insane. It's it's never really a it's never clarified. In the end, he just kind of wants to sacrifice her to, for power, and that's, I guess, all you need to know. But, uh, yeah, to call this tightly plotted would be uh, <laughs> a, a misnomer, let's say.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it starts with, with Hercules and his friend Theseus, who is his, his bleach-blonde friend who's a womanizer. He's, you know, kind of like the happy-go-lucky sort who just hangs out with Hercules, and I guess they roam for adventure. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're very much separate types. They stick in a whole dude just, like, as Jake says, Italian Mr. Bean, who's the worst thing in the movie because that character is always the worst thing in the movie. And kind of the reminder that when you're watching a movie, that's probably meant for children. Uh, You know, very, very strong. Like, it, no one could find this man funny in what he does. He's And he exists solely to get the shit beaten out of him and then Hercules to intervene. But Hercules does let him go. Get the shit beat out of him for a long time before he intervenes each time. So I don't think even he likes him. Um, but yeah, you know, it it works. It's you know, you're it's absolutely just driven by a kind of a goofy adventure logic, and really, it's it's the images that's pulling you through. It's just the iconography of it that works. And Christopher Lee works pretty well in his villainous role, and then we have a finale with like zombies, almost you know, when hands coming out of graves and things, which uh, Mario Bava and Home Turf completely. Um yeah I mean you couldn't complain it's it's kind of movie I think I I, w- I would be interested to see you know if if you were put it on for young people nowadays you know for kids if they'd be at all enraptured by just the sheer starkness of how it looks like they just it's it's got such a an incredible palette to it there's nothing made nowadays looks like this uh, not much made in the 60s looked like this um you know no. it's it's yeah. It's really just, it's really something. It's not, you know, to the point where, like, don't watch this because you're interested in Hercules. You watch this because you're interested in Mario Bava.
0: Right, yeah, I, I wonder how it would go over, because as we saw with Red Sonja, a lot of the complaints... I, I think there's a barrier with the modern audience and things looking fake. And this looks absolutely fake. It's the most Proudly artificial... fake. Yeah, right, as was Red Sonja. These are not things that are striving for realism and they're all the better for it at what they're trying to do, frankly. But I think that there is a, a legitimate barrier there for a, a lot of younger folks, which uh, is a shame, because this sort of shit is much more interesting to look at than something that's just striving for absolute realism. Yep. So what happens when you take this formula and apply it to a film uh, that is not directed by Mario ba- <laughs> um, You get You get something like Hercules... Prisoner of Evil, which I don't know. I, I did not select these films transparency for the audience. Uh, okay. We we kind of really quickly cobbled them together for, for whatever reason. We had plenty of time, but... Really
1: like quick, you mean exhaustively researched and yeah, two out of three are Hercules I, movies.
0: I think I said this like four times. I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, you know what? I got some time tomorrow. I'll sit down and I'll really hammer some stuff out. Then you guys are like, no, wait, how about this one? Nah, let's do it now. I'm like, I'm okay, excited. That fine. And what did you settle on between you and Steve you've you've managed to out of the approximately uh 700 uh <laughs> 60s <laughs> Italian Hercules films you picked a film that is actually not a Hercules film this this film is actually part of the Ursus series of films uh and it's I mean, if you Her- speak English it's Hercules <laughs> good enough for me but I don't even understand that I guess is is it's <laughs> <laughs> Ursus is is a a character a minor character in what is called the uh the Quo Vadis which is a, a right. Polish novel about uh, Nero so Roman uh, the end of Roman Empire era you know, essentially but um I don't know why but he he, he essentially became uh, the subject of a series of films in the Peblum genre in the 60s, uh, often cited as the son of Hercules, even though that's, that's not accurate to the, the source material, certainly. But um, the thing is, even in this Ursus film, we, we, we watched the Italian language version, where he's never referred to as the son of Hercules. He seems to have no sort of uh, supernatural <laughs> status no, not, whatsoever. No, not at all. Yeah, he's just the leader of a tribe. Uh, but, uh, for whatever reason, when this was translated to English, uh, it became a Hercules film and that, that is not the end of this mystery because, uh, go ahead and try and find an English dub of this film because <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> fucking exist. Uh, so I don't know if it was just translated. The only thing, the only evidence I could find of it is there was a something weird VHS under the title Hercules Prisoner of Evil which apparently there's no rips of that floating around anywhere, and trust me, I went digging. Um, but I wonder that it was is mostly a theatrical thing. I would guess, yeah. I'm, I'm
1: guessing this, it seems like exactly the kind of thing that like, uh, American International or someone would have picked up for half nothing and just repackaged, maybe re-edited it a little bit and brought over. But, I, I mean, to clarify, the reason we, we were brought to this film particular and yeah at the time i thought i assume hey it's a hercules movie i haven't seen let's check it out and i was very confused when they kept calling him ursus when the movie <laughs> really started I was like, "Wait, what uh but yeah th- this one is again directed by known directors we have anthony dawson is credited director which is, of course is the the anglophone The name of uh, Antonio Margariti, who's, uh, you know, a kind of a a director you might have seen some of his, his, he's done some Jolly and a few other films here and there, but more interesting even than that is that this film, he apparently didn't direct most of it, he was called away to another project, so the assistant director had to step in and finish the majority of the film, and the assistant director of Hercules Prisoner of Evil is none other than Ruggiero Diodato, Mr. Cannibal Holocaust himself. So, seemed like an interesting prospect. Also, it's kind of like a horror movie. It's got a, a monster that he must fight against, uh, Ursus, our, our main dude. But yeah, um, oops. I mean, two <laughs> out of three ain't bad, right? <laughs> For a Hercules episode. Yeah,
0: yeah it, is, it is amusing because there's two reasons that we chose this one out of a very long list, and that was uh, Diodato, as well as Hercules is, is meant to be fighting a werewolf in this film, which... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah it, it, hercules isn't in the film uh there's no werewolves at all either. So, so really <laughs> it's just kind of a, a, a strange choice but it is it is an interesting film to look at in in direct comparison with the bava because it's it's shortly thereafter this is this is in reg park's uh mini run where he was a various italian strongman i believe Mostly Hercules, although who could say? Maybe it was mostly Ursus, but <laughs> but there's also a Samson film in there. I think there's only five films in total. But yeah, this is right in the meat of it. So and honestly, it has a much more interesting script than, than the Bava. It's not great or anything, but there's at least kind of like a, a who-done it thing going on here that's it's engaging. Um but it's also a much worse film just because it, it's there's no, there's no Mario Baba.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting film in that I I actually wouldn't be surprised if this movie had a bigger budget than Hercules in the Haunted mm-hmm. World. Like it's it's not it's not a bad movie by any stretch in terms of what's done and everything, but it, it's just striking how less engaging it is immediately because it's a much more. Normal production. It it uses a lot more. It moves outdoors more than sound stages for a lot of it, and uh, it's got you know it's got big. It's got props. It's got lots of armies and extras, costumes and stuff. I mean, it's it's got all kinds of things. It doesn't it doesn't look like a really cheap movie
0: well, quickly made, surely. But like you know, it's for it's night. very
1: much part of the course. But yeah, um, just doesn't doesn't have that magic touch. And also, Reg Park is clean shaven, which just seems like a really like if you're a, a an oldie world strong man. I feel like a little bit of scruff is a good idea. It's just kind of bewildering that he isn't, although I guess maybe that's the contrast with the beast man, who appears to have a bunch of fake fur hastily glued to his back uh, at any given time. So, maybe maybe that's it. That's
2: That's gotta be it.
0: Yeah, that's, I assume, yes, also, the case. Uh, I, I mean, I guess the only other thing would be if they're trying to draw some distinction between Ursus and Hercules, but, uh well Why? Hey, <laughs> now,
2: I, this is the most baffling mm-hmm. I, no, well, go I ahead, had, just because with the we sh- I mean just to just spoil the twist right out the gate ursus is this wolf man that is haunting the camp and killing the people and they don't realize that until the end but is did did the ursus name come first because I kept thinking of the word ursine which is bear-related, and it could be adjacent well, yeah. to werewolves. It's the same that, thing. Yeah, 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 I would assume it's
1: Latin-related. He's, he's yeah. bear, is his name. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he turns into not a bear and not a wolf. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that, I think that, that, yeah. that Ursus as the bear slash the, the constellation would predate this Polish novel, so yeah, I'm, I'm assuming the character sure. is quite... It, it is Certainly. really
1: confusing they went for this, because it's like, if any character's not under copyright, it's Hercules, right? Like, that's, yeah. o- like, absolutely, like, totally in the public domain. So the fact that they had to spin off to something that they're pulling out of, like, oh, like, Covades was, I know they made the movie adaptation in the 60s as well, I'm pretty sure. Maybe maybe it's the 50s, i one of those movies I've never got around to watching. Feel like, you know, it's a movie best seen when you're very young and your dad puts it on and I, I just never had that experience, so I don't know much about it, but uh, it just seems strange to try and go from that tactic when Hercules is just sitting there free, uh, but what, what do I, I mean everything else in this is, it, it's, it, this is more much more like a medieval kind of a setting, I think actually it might be like, based on the tribe, I think the tribe this mentioned might be real, I think this might have like a Kazakhstan setting, like nominally, um, no, none of that really matters at all, because ultimately it comes down to a witch and magic, but uh, it's just kind of a strange reconfiguring of it, but ultimately uh, it still comes down to big beefy man f- solves problems.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. but it is, it's is—it's notably worse in production, even uh, even though it's its not embarrassing in, in any extent, it's just, it's just quite striking the difference between someone with such a mastery of lighting as Bava and then this film, which... Has uh, again, all in all, fine. But there's a, a particularly yeah. one section where the the evil folk uh, lay siege on a village where the day for night is some of the very worst you'll ever see. <laughs> it's just quite quite awful because there's actually like a couple of night shots in there, and then the rest of it is just like, oh God, is this supposed to? There's yeah. a whole lot of this movie where I'm like, is this supposed to be taking place at night or not? Because I really can't fucking tell
2: <laughs> yeah there's really kind of two themes that run through these three movies uh one of them is budget management uh in which case mario baba is the clear champion we were does yeah. makes a lot out of a little uh the other is uh how you would demonstrate strength on screen and these three films seem to just clue in on the uh the fact that a strong guy can really just pick up something heavy and then throw it I think in the, the opening scene, the, the Ursine uh, monster picks up a a full carriage with somebody in it and throws that as he attacks the, the little camp. Uh, but yeah, there's really just no other feats of strength other than just a big guy lifting up a big object and then throwing it very far away.
1: Yeah, no, it'd be very confusing if you're watching this in, in an English language release as Hercules, because Hercules is like gets in a bunch of regular fist fights with guys and it's and it's close you know like they're real fights as like i wouldn't if he's the son of zeus (laughs) like what's going on here
0: yeah yeah it 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 is kind of strange because he does get almost mortally wounded as well by the by the monster and which is again this movie is probably most successful in its misdirections because you do have his brother, which is uh, a Yeo in in the sub that mm-hmm. we watched, I believe it's ELO in IMDb's crediting, but uh, is a, one of the first people you see attacked by the the monster, and then is later becomes the monster himself. And you know, there's like three separate people who become the the sort of monstrous thing that the witch is controlling throughout the film, including yeah Ursus himself, the protagonist. So it's. It's constantly misdirecting and making you go, wait, who's who's this? What what's going on? I mean, <laughs> if you read like this sort of uh, signifiers you see in uh, you know, your your cheap genre films, then you'll probably catch on fairly fairly just because it's like, well oh, that woman's got too dark of hair and severe of makeup, she's clearly evil.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Certainly like a Barbara Steele type, um, but that probably couldn't have afforded her at the time even. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, the plot and everything is, it really, it is worth knowing. like, I, it, this was a perfectly enjoyable time for me, it's really not a, you know, it, it, there's not a lot wrong with this movie, although it's very clearly, you know, kind of like a quickly made kind of genre film, it, it doesn't have grand lofty aspirations, and it doesn't have, as much as Diodato would go on to really distinguish himself uh, later on with some real grungy filmmaking, um it do- it just doesn't have someone like bava to like just uh, create this kind of otherworldly kind of striking image it-, it just looks kind of like a regular peplum film of the era which is you know it's it's fine it it works pretty well i think some of the later horror elements are pretty you know they're pretty engaging as we try and work out who's who it's it's funny I think because as soon as the horror elements kind of pop out so do the green and purple gels that Bava <laughs> used throughout his entire movie there's a couple of shots towards the end with the witch being cornered that actually really do look like Bava uh, just not quite as striking not as extreme they're kind of they're still a little bit nice but they kind of remind you that you know you, you could be watching a whole other movie that's that's really striking throughout but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like, it, it's it's not a terrible time, certainly. I think I, I'm a little, it, it, we watched it for Diodato, and I, I don't think there's a huge amount to bring forth from this. It doesn't showcase the kind of like naturalistic hand that he managed to use subvert so beautifully in Cannibal Holocaust to make such a grotesque kind of a film experience. You know, Diodato, we've covered him at length in our podcast previously, and I mean, he's he's and by certainly a very talented director in his own right, but um, this is very early on, really, and I think really just a getting it finished kind of a film. Reg Park is, I think, somewhat limited in what he can do, so it's mostly just. Uh, people feel like it's a series of fist fights basically, and people just jumping on each other with very sloppy choreography, which you would come to expect of films of this era. A little bit of supernatural element creeps in, and then there's a little bit of of what would you say, uh, like palace intrigue towards the end too. Um, but I mean, like the the script is pretty funny to me because I feel like the entire script is propelled by incredibly forthcoming people on the verge of death. Uh, Like, there's at least two occasions where someone is mortally injured, Uh, an enemy of of Ursus is mortally injured, and he picks them up and goes, tell me what I need to know, and they just immediately just tell him everything (laughs) that he needs to know, and then die. I was like, that was really, if anyone had been a little bit more begrudging on Death's Door, this movie would have been stopped dead in its tracks, but thankfully everyone was looking, I guess, to make amends just before the final curtain call.
0: Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, It is... uh really tropey, but it is... Again, it's so serviceable as as a genre piece that it feels, oddly enough, considering this is kind of the one that that is uh, almost impossible to see uh, dub of, is uh, it feels the most like something that would have been airing on AMC in 1992 or your dad would have (laughs) on in the middle of the afternoon or something. And yeah, it's just it'll pass the time for sure it's a perfectly fun little film but this it's nothing remarkable you know, you you don't see yeah there's nothing of of deodato in this film
1: no and and there's not i mean even looking at it, i mentioned towards the horror elements towards the end there's a few shots that kind of look like bava a little bit they remind you of that great theatrical lighting he used which is fun. there's also like towards the end when the witches she she transforms people into monsters by by passing off this this wine flask that has a potion in it, and when she's mortally injured, I thought it was interesting. She drops the flask and the wine comes out, and the wine is very clearly done up to look like fake blood. It's not wine; it's fake movie blood, which the you know, is fake. It's looking yeah, <laughs> Italian movie blood. <laughs> So yeah, like like literally, it's yeah, it's it's that paint that you used in in elementary school, like it's, it's yep. that stuff, uh, and it pours out. But it's it's interesting. She's she's mortally wounded. She doesn't bleed, but the flask bleeds. And I thought, you know, that's kind of an evocative image. That's nice. I don't know how it relates to anything in the movie particularly, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell hey, you why yeah, that, that that's something. Yeah, you know, but it's it's something, you know. Hey, what what are, what else do you want from a movie? You know, uh, there, there's not much else to be taken here. It's it's pretty much just uh, restore the the rightful princess and kill the monster man who turns out to be the monster within, and <laughs> don't trust brunettes. Very key part of the the whole thing. So, yeah, lessons to live by.
0: It's a, it's a very odd lesson for the Italians to constantly convey in their genre films, considering they are like uh, 95% per <laughs> I,
1: It may be a very common one. They don't, they're bringing in lovely blondes from overseas. I don't know, maybe <laughs> the other one is, is also Italian. I'm not sure. She doesn't have a I know I we looked into it and she does not have a a very uh, rich filmography here. Uh, Maria Teresa Orsini uh, but hey, whatever, yeah, she's still got like eight credits for her last one being uncredited as Suicide Girl in Barbarella, so it th- th- never really took off, but you know, whatever, I mean they're, they're very glamorous 60s actresses if that's if that floats your boat you know, uh, yeah Hercules Prisoner of Evil, but go for it, it's, I think it's funny, it opens with uh, Reg Park not only clean shaven, but also wearing a shirt, and it's just like what what is happening, I don't understand this <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just don't know how to work with that slab of granite.
1: It <laughs> uh, just seems like easy, you know. Like just, just don't have a shirt and have some, have a beard. Well, you know? That's that's burly man who's a hero, and it, it kind of it just feels like maybe the film snuck up on him. Like he was, he was taking a vacation. And they're like, hey, Reg, actually, have you time to make a movie?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible because again, it's not like not like Reg is an actor by trade. Maybe he was uh, he was off at the muscle man contest and, uh, they called him in for a quick payday <laughs> off. He went, uh, so we are, we're now jumping, uh, quite a bit in time, uh, probably to, to a movie that, uh, is no longer an inspiration for Conan, but, uh, a direct, uh, ripoff of Conan. In, in many ways, this is definitely part of the eighties post Conan, the barbarian wave of, yeah, it's kind of the, the return of your Hercules, Sword in the Sandals, Italian cinema. And here, uh, we, we don't have Arnold Schwarzenegger, but we do have his, his pumping iron rival, uh, Lou Ferrigno. And uh, we, we don't have a good director, but we do have Luigi have <laughs> <Cosi. laughs>
1: yeah, Maybe maybe a certifiable director? Yeah. Luigi Cosi, it's, it's hard to tell... Where opportunism and mental illness possibly <laughs> interweave in his filmography, because I'm not sure I've ever seen a man who has so many movies that I could absolutely just describe as bewildering.
0: <laughs> I, He's a man who loves to fucking doodle on the negative before it's ever fucking <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I on think all This, is, highlighters a, this and is a filmmaker all over this fucking <laughs>
2: film. I beg to differ. I think this is a filmmaker of uh, immense vision. And uh, and uh, uh, sometimes talent, but he's like the platonic ideal of an O.V. director. I had a great time with his Black Cat, and I really liked uh, his Hercules movie. Uh, this movie is crazy, but amazing. It 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 uh, yeah, just, it's, it's I,
1: certainly is. I, yeah, no, it's I, like.
2: I, I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like this, just like uh, okay. So this opening where we we get like the cosmic introduction to the life of Hercules, where Zeus and the other gods are basically playing like with with humanity, and they create the uh, our our first look at Hercules is like uh he looks like a naked Ken doll up in space, uh yeah, the, just all this like cosmic bewildering stuff is like really just enjoyed for how dumb it was, but it, it also in its own way it's brilliant.
1: Yeah, it's wild. that it opens like fucking Terrence Malick, and yeah. it's, I was not. Ex- and it's kind of funny because like we talk about like Mario Bava, his Hercules movie, like just jumps straight in, and in this movie's yeah, no, we must cover the birth of Hercules among the stars, and and it's like no, why do we? And and also, <laughs> I don't think this in any way correlates to the actual birth of Hercules. Otherwise, um, but yeah, it's it, it's kind of an impressive sequence. All these planets and stuff. I mean, Cozy is is gathering. I guessing like stock footage and then doing a bunch of like odd optical stuff himself, um, or you know, with his special effects team. It's kind of, it's, it's certainly something. I'll give him that. He,
0: yeah. I, I, he had a special effects team. It would surprise me. It feels like something he's doing himself always. <laughs> I, I, I don't, it's, it like posits a world in which like the, the Greek mythology is like science fiction or something. And, the planets are not named after Greek gods. They are the Greek gods. I I don't know. It's
1: quite confusing. It certainly is the exact kind of film you would expect from the man who also made Star Crash. Um it, it has that same science fiction fantasy element to it where like he just seems like he's just trying to get in as many like subcategories as possible in like the library index, so more people might just accidentally grab his movies. But um I mean, yeah, it's it's got like nothing else. This Hercules 83 has a lot of ambition behind it. Like he's he's doing a lot of stuff. We've got all this this planets in alignment thing. We've got uh, a man in a bear suit. We've got stop motion (laughs) robots. We got to come back. You know, know, this this, is all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. The bear fight. How did that?
2: Jake, what do you think? What do you think? Who are you rooting for? The bear fight is incredible. Hercules is out in the forest. He's he's uprooting giant trees with his bare hands. His father says, all right, I'm heading home. And uh, Hercules jokes he'll clear the whole forest before he gets home. On his way, the, his father is attacked by a bear, uh, one that was sent by Athena or Zeus or somebody. Uh, the bear is presented in stock footage of close-ups of it roaring. Then when Hercules runs to the rescue, he tackles a guy clearly in a bear suit and then beats him to death with these cosmic punches. Then after he sees that his father has passed, he throws the bear into outer space. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. This is what a Hercules movie should fucking be. He needs superhuman feats of strength and, and, and wisdom because this Hercules is also smarter than all of mankind. And it's presented when. Yes, that's a point. Yeah. When he's, <laughs> when he's cutting Lufthansa down all the trees,
0: that.
2: his father, his father says, my son, you have the power of Zeus. And Hercules looks at it, look at his hands and goes, Yes but I do not know why <laughs> it's to become clear to him later. Not that he's just a really strong guy that they've accepted, but there's more to it than that. And they both know it.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's a man seeking his destiny, but certainly um, it, well, worth noting the bear is not the only object. Hercules hurls into outer space oh, no. in this movie. Yeah, You know, he boy stopped there.
2: No, yeah, no, he competes in these Olympic games or uh, where he fights, uh, Several guys on chariots. Uh, the little blades attached to the chariot wheels just bend and snap off when they hit Hercules' shins. He grabs them, throws them off. Then about a dozen guys charge them with a giant log, which he then uses to pin the guys against the wall. And then he throws the log into space. And then just just, <laughs> just jump ahead space later on. Littering. He has to fly a magical chariot to get to his destination or wherever. And he ties a, or has this uh, Cersei, the sorceress. tie a cinder block to his chariot which he then throws into space and then jumps on the chariot so it can ride off in the distance
1: yeah i'm confused by the chariot this is one of my sticking points with this movie this very logical clearly (laughs) plotted movie otherwise but i am a little bit perturbed by the the flying chariot he acquires which apparently doesn't fly without flying horses which he can't get i'm pretty sure a flying chariot that can't fly unless it's pulled by something that flies is just a chariot. I think that's that's pretty much just how that works. Um, but he he gets the magic chariot, and yeah, then he has to uh throw throw a block through space to on a rope to and they, they fly along through it, which is extremely uh, Christopher Nolan, I think, would certainly object to that line of plotting were he in any way involved in such a film. I don't think he'll be remaking this one. Um, I, I should be worth mentioning the special effects in this movie are, it, like, I, I guess what the thing about the Cozy film, and I guess this is something for all of his films, is there's this remarkable uh, kind of balance in this movie between things that I thought were actually kind of impressive or at least ambitious and, you know, looked like a lot of work, and then things that look like they were slapped together at the last minute, and like sometimes these two elements exist in the same shot of the film. Like, it's just this incredible mixture of, not bad, kind of interesting special effects-driven fantasy cinema, and then, shit, it looks like they just sent a PA out to buy, like, a, a princess costume. Like, they forgot they had a princess in the movie, and they're like, uh-oh, we better fix that. It's it's absolutely bewildering and head-scratching the way that so much of this movie, it, you know, kind of falls between those two things. And I, you know for me this movie i kind i was entertained <laughs> throughout but i'm not sure i could make much of a case for it cuz i feel like as a fantasy movie i'm not sure anyone can really get swept up in something that drops off as hard as this one does in between other bouts of like random things you know i mean i think the most the most consistent thing in this is certainly sybil danning playing the evil i don't know which Mm, something i'm not sure even what best position she's to, in
0: That's not to think about it.
1: <laughs> yeah but is you know queen? what she she knows what she's doing everyone else by the way, it's worth noting like everyone in this movie is speaking english and then they're all dubbed you know yes. which is bizarre because this clearly has an eye on the american market like there's you know it's not full of like italians speaking italian and then being a post dubbed. like even the italian actors in this they look to all be speaking english um, and he's just dubbed over everyone anyway, so there's this weird disconnect there. It's just, it's a fantasy movie that really you have to work very hard to to get swept up in it, I would say. I Adam, have you come was, around?
0: No, I have not. <laughs> I, I mean, again, we can talk about light plotting, uh, something a little dull, something uh, unremarkable in the previous two films. I, I dare you to tell me what the fuck the plot of this movie is. I, I goddamn dare the, you. The plot of this is and that he's Hercules
1: can—he's got to got a find nice knife, uh, yeah. a nice wife. It's worth noting actually in Prisoner of Evil that he swaps women at the very end, like it's just incredible. Uh, he, so I think that's that's always cool, you know. Yeah,
2: it's very much your classic hero's journey. His parents are murdered by bear and or giant mechanical grasshopper that he kills with a stick. Uh, After he burns his childhood home down, he goes off and he uh, competes in these Olympic games. And then after he wins, his reward is he gets to clean the stables. And (laughs) this is one of my favorite parts where he demonstrates how he's going to clean the stable. Uh, He throws two boulders into a river at the bottom of of a cliff and dams it. And then that somehow causes the water to flood and rise up over the cliff to then wash through the stables, purifying it but also destroying the wooden doors in the process and then he, he has succeeded his mission to clean the stables overnight and he gets to see uh, Dionysus' face or whatever her and name is. And that was. is just such a wonderfully, yes.
0: a wonderfully fucking staged uh, scene where they seem to be looking down on a river that is approximately uh, 500 feet below them in a canyon and by yeah. throwing two rocks into the river, two it rocks, somehow yeah. causes it to rise. Up this entire fucking canyon yeah. i mean maybe they're not standing anywhere near the stables but that's your job to tell me the audience that luigi no, i mean it's also
1: just the mass flooding yeah. seems risky like who, who what's the collateral damage for this cleaning <laughs> yeah. the stables thing because again oh. how do they
2: stop it are the stables anywhere near the palace where the games were held you know a lot of questions <laughs> but uh i think it's best to just kind of forget it and move on uh, well, this movie is yeah, I mean, all questions
0: I think... to me because every time they would cut to the gods <laughs> on the moon or whatever, I'm like, what in the fuck is happening in this movie?
1: That part is very confusing because it's basically the gods, like the, it's just three gods who are like, we don't meddle in human affairs and then they just do nothing but meddle in human affairs. And it's like two of them are rooting for Hercules and one is rooting against him, but they're very open about it. It's not like yeah. they're being secretive. So, you know, so one of them is like, no, we're going to make things harder for him. And then they're like, no, we'll make it a little bit easier or that bit's fair, that bit's not. And they're like, it, does this help us in any way? Like, this doesn't really change the overall goal, which is apparently just that Hercules gets the girl who is Cassiopeia, played by Ingrid Anderson, who, again, another another beauty who doesn't have a particularly storied film uh, credit here, but um, I think really funny. We were all discussing this earlier. Um, in terms of like the amazing costuming in this movie, she wears a veil. No man may see her face. The man who will eventually see her face for the first I time, she says, will marry veil,
0: her. Right? That's a very difficult thing to pull off. That I right I don't yeah, a veil know how I like a costuming it. department would be like, ooh,
1: that tricky. Give us some time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't just take any piece of cloth and and tuck it by the ears. And leave it loose around the nose and <laughs> mouth.
1: <laughs> no, it's incredible. They strap this veil right up on her face so that every time she breathes, it, like, billows out. Like, it's just the most unglamorous fix you could imagine. And again, it breathes to mind this thing. Like, it just feels like they forgot they needed a veil and some dumbass, like prop guy who's never who doesn't work in costuming, like grabbed something like his handkerchief and just like stapled it to her face. It's terrible. Uh, but that's that's the movie really. That's the kind of quality of it. Yeah, I terrible. also enjoy like in this movie we have the giant stop motion monsters and I, I always think like stop motion, you know, incredible puppeteering and everything, and, like, one of these monsters in stop motion barely stands up on its own throughout the entire fight. Uh, There's just so much going on in this film that really reflects... But, like, it's it's still... They tried. They did it. The stop motion is there. It's just, like... Just, it's just not... It doesn't involve you in the way that you would hope it might, but it's still in the film.
0: I guess one of these monsters is the Hydra and... Uh, again.
1: Is it? They're robots. Yeah. Uh, one of them is the giant screaming moth is what I, I put down because he just screams the whole time until Hercules kills him. And I don't know why, because he's a robot. Like, is he in eternal right. agony? I they don't I, I, do anything I, about God that. God
0: knows. But they do call one of them the Hydra guarding the Hades or whatever, even though it was just sent there moments ago by the, the people on the fucking moon, uh, <laughs> which again confusing is that the villain of the movie who's also on the moon for some reason there's a separate
1: guy there's there's Dino or something King Minos sorry is he's a separate villain who's also supernatural who has a Daedalus who's a woman, and who also shows up for one scene, and you think, like, okay, so what's Daedalus gonna do? And the answer is, she's not going to appear again, he just needed someone to talk to in that scene, apparently. I I
0: can see, well, I'm really feeling stupid for not understanding why this random gentleman, who's not the villain (laughs) of the movie, is on the moon, asking (laughs) for for the robot to be slightly enlarged (laughs) before it's (laughs) turned. Yeah it's it's
1: yeah there's a whole thing going on here. Uh yeah no it's it's, it's Athena and Zeus and someone else uh, another woman god Hera maybe, maybe yeah. that is is are on the on the moon and then there's the the king minos is also, maybe on the moon, or maybe just on another another planet. It, unclear. No, he's in irrelevant.
2: Uh, he's in Thera, which is the capital of Atlantis, and that's they take the Rainbow oh. Bridge to get to his kingdom, and that's being guarded by the oh, giant uh, that guy, that statue. Remember? And, but to, I think be-
1: Rainbow Bridge being in outer space because only escape from that on the flying chariot by zooming through oh space oh my god this then movie they, then is they land crazy. in
2: the ocean somewhere because cersei falls in love what? with hercules mid-flight and if she oh. when she falls in love she loses her powers but let's not forget at one point she enlarges hercules so that he can cause continental drift and separate europe from africa
0: <laughs> that's yeah, right apparently this movie takes place on Pangea, right
1: <laughs> this is the yeah, greatest and movie does this made. too, i think uh, i think that the king of africa who has a white wife and mostly white subjects, Why but I think
0: her Africa, if the continents are not separated,
1: it that's just how it is. He's the king of Africa. That's that's just what that is. And he may or may not be played. I think he might be King Zenadama, who's played by Bobby Rhodes, who people might recognize from uh, from *Demons*. The the Argento Lambertö Bava yeah. flick. Although I'm not sure if it is him because uh, he didn't look like him in the film. Uh, but I'm not sure who else he would be. I'm looking through the credits and I don't see anyone just credited as King of Africa. <laughs> so I'm
2: <laughs> is it unclear? Is it King Minos who says that all of this is happening in the name of science? <laughs> Everything yes. is all science based. So like, a, yeah, it's,
1: a- a, it's sci-fi. Like yeah, I think this is absolutely like uh, Luigi Cozzi trying to do like category fraud. It's like it's not a fantasy; it's science fiction. It's bo- like he's trying to get the video in two different places in the <laughs> video store. He, he wanted what to make he's a, a to th- do.
2: Thomas Dolby music video, and this is what he came up with: is, uh, some Hercules nonsense, where a guy I got randomly yell science.
0: I I, I, yeah. I Really, I on paper, I'm like, oh, this is the one I'm looking forward to watching. You got you got Big Lou, you got Sybil Danning. It's a canon movie. I'm like, well, how could it not be fun? But it's such a pile of bullshit I can't fucking follow any second of the movie for me it's just so confounding at at every turn, and you guys are, you you're talking about effects that you found uh, to, to be uh, interesting, and you can only see the labor. I know 90% of the effects in this movie are when Hercules punches someone, stupid fucking lights shoot out of his fists for no reason.
1: <laughs> I mean, take to, to categorize, I think that the effects, like the opening plan and stuff is more impressive than I normally associate with Luigi Corsi. <laughs> he, he, he seems, normally he doesn't have that much money. Like normally it's more like, as Jake mentioned, like the black cat, which is a great movie, it's insane, but it certainly doesn't have anything like this in it, it's much more like, let's just get some strobe lights and put gels over them and let's go nuts. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it it kinda it kinda works, like I say, I I was never exactly bored, even though I couldn't exactly claim the movie ever coalesces into anything coherent, certainly, or even kind of involving, necessarily. Another thing I think is really funny about this movie is it basically goes backwards, in that Hercules, our hero, starts by fighting a bear, then he murders three giant killer robots, and then by the end of the movie, he's just wrestling with some guys, like, it's just some other men, like, it's completely bad, and then he has a sword fight with another, with an old man. Oh, with some more so, great so, optical What, what is happening? You, 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 optical this is the best optical
0: effects you'll ever see on that sword, the fucking rainbow sword, or whatever the hell this guy's using to fight Hercules. <laughs> and uh, I, every time he strikes him, it, it leaves a great fucking red paintbrush swaths across his chest it's like this i don't know as i said in the chat the only effect i found particularly impressive was uh that uh, they were able to somehow keep uh sybil danning's uh breasts from falling out of this outfit that they had fucking plastered her anything.
1: Her outfit is certainly uh breast forward yes we should you say, could say yeah. an incredible
0: <laughs> concoction there
1: um But yeah, I mean, she's she's the only person who, through the dubbing and everything, she's, Civil Nanning is really the only person in this movie who looks like she understands the project or is at home in it because she just basically vamps it up and it fits perfectly. To be fair, something she could do in her sleep at this point. Everyone else, Lou Ferrino just looks kind of vaguely confused throughout most of it. Uh, King Ogius or whatever, Brad Harris, who plays like the evil king, uh, just this weird shit-eating kind of semi smiles of the whole movie, which is I I don't know. He just he looks like a meme character. It's bizarre. Um, and I just I don't know if they just didn't tell him what the scenes were about beforehand because you know we'll fix it in post. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 very a very Italian. Like it's it's a a canon film, sure, a Golden Globus production, sure, but it is first and foremost an Italian film. Uh, above all else.
0: Damn yeah, right. Ah, uh, yes, but not in the good way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> in the ways I, that I matter. think it's the good way. Take it from me, audience.
0: I, I think if Jake you try and watch this, maybe hit the mute button lest you go out of your fucking mind.
2: <laughs> well, then you'll miss, you'll miss, if, if that happens, you'll miss, hold on a second, you'll miss bits where uh, the baby Hercules escapes in the little boat after his mother is killed and the soldier's Don't pursue it because the boat's going down the river. And they say, ah, the river will get them. Back to Thebes. (laughs) And they walk (laughs) away.
1: I love that scene where where baby Hercules uh, kills these two magic snakes and there's this intricate of two very obviously man's grown man's hands crushing the snakes and I'm not sure if they like just left that in as like you know a force aging of like we know he shall, you know he is the strength of men already as a child so we're just unapologetically using a man's hands but it, it also just looks like they didn't try very hard. So this baby just like reaches out that it's this two grown man's hands
0: squishing like green paint out of some socks (laughs) that was that was the point i knew i was in trouble right there (laughs) i was like we had this long ridiculous space intro which despite the fact that it takes at least 20 minutes of the film still managed to not convey what the gods were planning with any of this it didn't lay down the frameworks of like hercules purpose or journey at all and then we immediately go through this fucking thing where he's floating down the river and uh, a baby smashes snakes uh and i was like oh no this isn't this isn't going to be fun after all <laughs> this is going to be yeah, yeah essentially the f- the <laughs> film the film
1: lays out um that essentially there's there's too much evil in the world and the gods can't intervene but what they what they learn they can't make man more powerful but the the bright idea is what if we made one man very powerful. Right. That would be, you know, kind of shift things and he he would fight on behalf of everyone else. And that's kind of like their setup. That's why Hercules is uh, brought into being. And then ultimately the plot of the movie is not Hercules fighting against humanity's evil. It's Hercules basically getting a girlfriend. Yes. Cassiopeia. That that's pretty much that's the movie. He just he gets the girl to say, at the end. To say
0: nothing of the fact that this plan of uh one powerful man is not Zeus's plan. It's not. The three gods on the moon all concoct this plan together. Zeus is, is a passive observer in it. Uh, so why are any of them working against Hercules? <laughs> because there's balance.
1: It's like there's like weird like there's some weird rule book that only they are aware of. You know, it's it's it is unclear. So that I, is say. that's
0: the perfect review for this film. It is unclear. <laughs> <It's> unclear. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I would not recommend it personally, but I mean, if you want, if you're just willing, you know, you got a 12 pack at home and you're just willing to fucking give yourself over to the dumb, then sure. Sure. You could do a lot worse, but. Last thing
1: I'm thinking of, I do wonder if, uh, the, the little mermaid animators took any ideas from Cassiopeia's weird breast, uh, like, uh, uh, seashell pasties for her final costume. um. Very similar. I, I don't know. I don't know why she has those in that scene, because she's not like she's the daughter of Poseidon or has any kind of link to the sea, just it's what they had lying around. It feels very much like maybe stuff they just had lying around anyway, but just struck me as like, oh, it's like the seashell bra from The Little Mermaid, but Fair. a couple of years beforehand. Which um
0: makes me wonder, uh, I don't know, it's tangential, but it, it's a very horny uh, scene. It's a horny movie, but. It's a canon movie. It's a horny Italian movie about, uh, it's a swords and sandals movie where Hercules goes around fucking throwing shit at the moon and, uh, stabbing things and punching shit. Why is this a PG movie? (laughs) Whose edict was that? None of these things should be PG. Canon is not usually trafficking PG. Like, who the fuck's edict was it that this be, like, kid-friendly, because... Really, you could probably get away with a lot more if you just went full bore with the, the Conan-style uh, violence it's and true, sex. Cause it's true, yeah,
1: because this came in before Conan the Destroyer, right. which, you know, moved the Conan thing to the more child-friendly. I, I'm guessing, i guessing... Th- I think Cozzy honestly sees himself as, like, a family entertainer. Like, I, I do get that sense from his films to some degree. Like, he he, he can do it all, and I feel like... You know, these these are movies that are for for the whole family. But you know, you have to have like your inserts for for the dads. So you got to have like the the hot lady, and you've got to have some adventure. And Lou Ferrino, obviously, for for the moms. You know, they can they can revel at his 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 enormous biceps and whatnot. Uh, but frankly, yeah, the movie may not be for anyone exactly. But that's you know, it the thought is there at least. I I, I will guess. say
2: just on the strength of the single image. <sighs> a bear being thrown out into outer space does this movie earn a recommendation from me
1: and i'm i am curious if like is that supposed to make me it is that supposed to make me feel better for hercules because frankly like the bear was propelled by the gods and it's also it's just a bear like he's so mad at a bear for killing someone and it's just like just leave the bear alone don't th- throw it into space <laughs> Uh, like, I, I don't know, just, I guess he's angry, okay, maybe, but it still, it just, feels, it just feels like maybe Hercules misdirected at rage, frankly.
0: Well, I mean, in the end, the bear was able to become immortal as, as the constellation, what, probably like Ursa, That's true. Ursa That's Major? Very,
1: yeah, very Katamari element to this, actually, yeah, that you, when you throw shit into space, it becomes a, a constellation. Uh, the entire universe is basically just made up of detritus that's been ejected from other planets, apparently.
0: Well, in the spirit of this episode, we're going to call the constellation Ursus. Ah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll call it Hercules in English, and we'll call it something else. Fair enough. Uh, in, in all the other languages. Fair enough.
0: I, I will say this has motivated me that I really need to seek out uh, quote-unquote Luigi Cozy's Godzilla, which is just him getting a hold of a print of, of the American, like, Version of Gojira and, uh, uh, you know, coloring on it with his highlighters. Uh, Nice. So, yeah. Doing that magic. I, I really, I've decided I must see this film because the optical effects in this film are so fucking awful that I really want to see what the hell he did to Godzilla.
1: Uh, I don't know if they're awful. I think they're very much of of the time. You know, I think, frankly, a lot of those optical effects, they looked shitty in the 80s, and they look shitty now, and they looked shitty all the time because they were... Like, I feel like they always worked best used sparingly, but a lot of movies just did not take that advice. Yeah,
0: to me, it's almost insulting to call it of the time because there's plenty of uh, excellent applications of similar effects, and these are just uh, bad in any era. Um... (laughs) And that, that that sums up Luigi for me, I think. Uh, but, let's wrap up. Uh, Lord knows what we're covering next week, but we will be back in the swords and sandals, I can tell you that much. We, we've got a plan. Um, But, we're gonna do putovers here real quick and uh, send you folks on your way. But, uh, Jake, we'll start with you. Uh, what are you gonna put over this week?
2: Yeah, uh, I'll put over uh, a little... English thriller called uh, The Day of the Jackal, uh, 1973, directed by Fred Zinnemann. Uh, Edward Fox is hired to murder the French uh, president because a group of anarchists disagree with his policies of giving liberty to uh, Al- our, uh, Austria or something. I don't know. Anyway, Anyways, uh, basically, it's, a, it's just a procedural of a hitman doing his job which is one of my favorite kind of subgenres where it's just a professional doing cool shit for 2 hours and uh there's a really thrilling uh police chase on the other end of it so he's got to prepare for a mission and also evade capture and uh it's really tense throughout and I greatly enjoyed it so if you want a a, a smooth going procedure highly recommended All right uh
0: how about you Jack
2: uh, I'm going to put over Kinji Fukusaku's
1: Samurai Reincarnation, which I happened to watch this week, and actually I think it could be a pretty good pairing with Bava's Hercules in the Haunted World, because uh, they're both about men with swords, to some degree or another. Uh, I guess Hercules doesn't carry a sword, but his friend does, so close enough, and uh, just kind of cool, supernatural-looking lighting. Um interesting film it, it's basically kind of a it's set in the warring states period of, of japan it takes some historical uh, elements but then injects a supernatural element of basically gathering a, a gang of of supernatural outlaws to topple regimes and and sonny chiba plays the great swordsman Jubei who must uh stop them but it's it's a really interesting film because it's kind of like it's, it's just sort of... It feels like it starts in the middle of the story and then the end of the movie is also completely unsatisfying. It's just kind of like... It's like none of it matters. Uh, but it looks amazing. Um, It's got several scenes I genuinely don't know how they shot them. They look insanely dangerous. And it's just full of, like, kind of cool stuff. So, um, yeah, Samurai Reincarnation. You can uh, you can get it on Blu-ray from Shout Factory in a Sunny Chiba box. There's also a UK Blu-ray that came out, so it looks very nice. So, um. Good, good times. If you if you're interested,
0: all right. Uh, I uh, often take the uh, the the times where I host as an excuse to not put anything over, but uh, I I figured, you know, I I mentioned pumping iron earlier, and I think that this is is kind of an ideal time to recommend that, which is uh, really the 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 wide world's first uh, exposure to Arnold Schwarzenegger, and also. I mean, uh, a lot of people forget Lou Ferrigno is actually kind of the protagonist of that documentary, if there is such a thing. Arnold is is cast more as a arrogant sort of villain character. I mean, you end up rooting for him just because he's Arnold. But uh, yeah, it, it is interesting that we have uh, a lot of these muscle men. We, we talked about Reg Park, who was just kind of responsible in, in many respects for popularizing uh, bodybuilding, which is what birthed this... 80s renaissance of, of the Swords and Sandals stuff, and really, yeah, made uh, both Ferrigno and Arnold kind of household names in, in their various ways, and yeah, Pumping Iron is actually a really fascinating documentary, and uh, a really great look into not just the sport, but the people in it. Also, there's Italian connection, too, because kind of the third guy focused on is uh, the recently deceased uh, Franco Colombo, uh, who's an Italian bodybuilder? Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, worth seeking out. Quite excellent documentary. A lot of fun. Um, if you haven't seen it, Jack, I, I would recommend it. And it's it's really available just about everywhere in these free streaming services and YouTube, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Then next time I'm looking for a hunger man meet, I know where I'm gonna go. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's great. You get that whole speech where Arnold compares uh, the pump. To uh, to ejaculation, you know, he's talking about how he, he feels like he's coming all day every day uh, when he's in the gym. It's it's quite excellent, memorable I'll stuff. See that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we should uh, wrap things up though. Uh, if you do want to get a hold of us at any point, uh, as as Steve would say, with your questions, comments, marriage proposals, or death threats, uh, you can email us at optimismvaccine at gmail Uh, We are also a Patreon-supported podcast. Uh, We don't make any money doing this, rest assured. This is just uh, any help we can get to pay the hosting fees and, uh, you know, cover any occasional equipment needed. And uh, we're very grateful for the support we do get. And at the $3 level, if you do choose to uh, support us, Steve will send you something from his personal collection. uh, Any number of DVDs, Blu-rays, et cetera, et cetera be headed your way within the continental united states of course uh I'm gonna far outstrip the three dollars uh if, if we're sending international unfortunately but um above that level if you donate five dollars and up we will uh mention you on air and you can take part in uh various polls to decide episodes um yeah that uh this week we have in that to your, uh, David, CWW, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. Thank you very much for your support, as promised, always. Uh, and at the $25 level, even if you just do it for a month, uh, you can dictate an episode. If something you want us to cover, uh, just to $25 and, uh, we'll do it. No questions asked. I mean, within reason, you can't send it, You can't request something that's like 45 hours long, but, uh, you know. No real uh, content restrictions. We, we will cover it. Uh, and everyone who, who donates, um, you know, we have an extensive backlog from back when we used to be bloggers. Uh, there's a ton of written content on here that's really only available through the Patreon and uh, quite a few sideshow ideas we have uh, in the archives for other types of podcasts. And yeah, we just put out a bonus episode last week covering uh, Cindy Crawford. Vehicle fair game. So, uh, we do put out uh, new episodes of uh, bonus content for you folks as well. Uh, I think that's about that. And I sure can't think of anything else we need to cover tonight. So, uh, last word is yours, Jake.
2: Look, mommy, there's a fair plane up in the sky.